Shalom from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to Conversations with Yael podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each month, I will invite leading thought leaders, pastors, rabbis, and other influential guests to discuss the importance of Israel in the world today. For those familiar with my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, which explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, this podcast takes that understanding and translates it into ongoing support for Israel among Christians and the critical need to nurture that support with the next generation of Christians. Join me now as we begin this important dialogue. More than 3,000 years ago, King Solomon penned a tribute to the Eshet Chayil, the woman of valor, which in the Jewish tradition is the quintessential praise for any woman. The words of Proverbs 31, 10 to 31 are sung every Friday night at the Sabbath table. It is read at the end of a woman's life at her funeral. The woman of valor does it all. She cares for her family and household's needs. She's industrious, a businesswoman who contributes to her community. She's strong yet gentle, compassionate and kind. She's a woman of strong faith who loves God. It is no wonder that her children and husband called her blessed. Today, I have the extreme honor and pleasure of welcoming to the podcast two modern-day Eshet Chayil, two women of valors, who exemplify these same godly characteristics and who are role models for me and all of us as women of faith and leadership. Dean Michelle Bachman has been a frequent guest to the podcast and is a great friend of mine, the fellowship, and Israel. She's a former member of Congress and the current dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University. She's the mother of five children and foster mother to 23 great foster children. My second guest is also a great friend of mine and the fellowship, Israel, Penny Nance. Penny is an old friend who I traveled Israel with, who we have so much history, who I know so well and respect so highly. Penny is the CEO and president of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization. She has served on the fellowship's board, and I had the great honor of hosting Penny and her daughter, Claire, on a trip to Israel several years ago. Penny is the amazing mother of two and is a recognized national authority on cultural, children's, and women's issues. Michelle, Penny, I think you both could have even a longer introduction from everything I know of both of you, but we'll leave it at that for now. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so honored to call you both friends, to have worked alongside both of you for the benefit of Israel and the Jewish people, and to be simply inspired by how you both have balanced faith and leadership and motherhood and all of the many roles that we as women juggle. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Yale. Thank you. That was so kind. What an incredible introduction. (laughs) I could have gone on. I just had to stop at some point. Otherwise, it all could have been me just talking about how much I love you both, respect you both, all the memories. So I had to stop at some point. But (laughs) I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Okay. So I want to start with... um, the different obstacles. I know that everyone faces different obstacles and leadership roles, and especially people who have really made it themselves. Um, I want to know how you handle these obstacles. So, Michelle, let's start with you. 
Well, thank you, Yale. It's a great question because women occupy leadership roles and many women do have obstacles to get to that position. One thing that I saw in particular when I was in the United States Congress is there was a tendency not to promote within the ranks. And so what I saw was an a need for leadership. There was an absence of leadership. And so I talked with some of my other fellow members of Congress, and what I told them we should do is we should lead in the absence of leadership. So even though we didn't occupy the position of leadership, we needed to demonstrate leadership. So leadership became influence. And actually, it was extremely powerful because we acted within the role. We were able to offer influence, even though we weren't the decision maker. Sometimes that can even be more influential than occupying the office. Wow. Penny, does that resonate with you? Does it remind you of any of your experiences? Yes, it definitely does. And, um, and again, I, I'm just so grateful to be and honored to be both with both of you. You're my heroes and, um, and have worked alongside and led and, you know, we've gotten each other's backs over the years and I'm just incredibly grateful. And that is such a beautiful, I think, example of the, the blessed way women can work together, right? working cooperatively and helping and supporting each other. And it's, it makes the journey more beautiful. And I would say for women, you know, I run the nation's largest public policy women's organization. And I think women sometimes or often really wait to be asked for leadership, right? We, we, we wait to be asked to serve or to join or to lead when really I think we need to be looking to the Lord and praying about what his will is for our lives and then putting our putting ourselves forward and, and just asking the question. And, you know, Michelle, you did that when you ran for Congress. I know that Republicans particularly have a hard, a difficult time recruiting women, I think, to run. And that's because I think sometimes we're waiting to be asked instead of saying, hey, I'd like to do it. And deep down, like we know we're called to do it. You know, there's the Deborahs among us and the Esthers that are called to influence and called to lead. But somehow we don't see that we are we're worthy. And when if God has called you to do it, you are worthy. That that Holy Spirit reckoning in your spirit means it's time for you to step forward and and offer to lead. And whether it works out or not, it's all going to be in God's plan. So don't be afraid to, to take risks, I say. Amen. I love that. It's something that is such an important and empowering message that we have to know what we are led and called to do and that we're not going to necessarily always succeed in what we want to do, but it doesn't mean that we weren't supposed to try. And when you keep on following your calling, when you keep on following where God intends you to be, you're going to make it to that place that you could shine, that you can help others, whether it's in a small way or a big way that everyone, everyone doing their part. I always say that to my friends who are stay-at-home moms. And they say, yeah, Elle, you're out changing the world and helping people and making such an influence and such an impact. And I always say, so are you, but just in a different way that we have to know where we're called. So I love that message. So it sounds like in both of your experiences and in different situations, faith has played a very big role. Um, Michelle Dean Bachman, could you pinpoint what role faith plays in your leadership? 
Well, there wouldn't be leadership without it. I can. I, I think Penny probably feels the same way. Yale, I think you probably do as well. It, it is really an identifier for who I am because I recognize that everything I am, everything I ever will be, is centered upon a knowledge that I have a creator, someone yes. who created me, who loves me so much, and who also loves me so much that he has a plan for my life. And so when I was a young girl, about 16, I surrendered my life to God and whatever his plan was for me. So mine was more a posture of listening, waiting, listening, hearing what he had to say. But the second I sensed from the Lord what I was supposed to do or the direction I was supposed to go, I was an easy yes. And I would say, and I, I think I just want to say to other women who are listening right now, one of the greatest adventures of your life is to say yes to the still small voice of the Lord speaking mm -hmm. into your spirit. Because I said yes to what might seem oddball things or didn't seem to make sense at the time, they really turned into tremendous blessings. You had mentioned, for instance, that I had been a foster mother to 23 children. I never had a desire to do that, but I'll just give you this example. My husband and I were at church one morning. We ran into another couple that had a foster daughter with them. When this other couple introduced this girl to us, at that moment, my heart broke for these kids and I was expecting my fourth baby. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to be staying home full time, I'd been a federal tax lawyer and I was going to stay home and be a full time mom. I thought if I'm going to stay home and be home full time, why don't we open our home and take in more kids? No pre-thought to this. It was just a call from the Lord. We said yes. And that led to an incredible adventure in our life. And every time I've said yes to the Lord about something that Maybe it was a little scary, a little frightening. I didn't feel that I was good enough to do it. Every time the Lord has shown up, he's equipped us, and it's inevitably, it's been the right thing to do. It's the greatest adventure of your, of your life to say yes to the Lord. I know I can testify that's true of Penny Nance. She's, she is the same way. <laughs> a she has woman said of yes the Lord, the, for sure. Yes, yes. Well, I'm a woman who struggles just like everyone else, right? And mm. and um and I think both of you all know that I'm a preacher's kid from Appalachia. And, you know, I came to Washington with like a, you know, a few bucks in my pocket, like barely able to make rent and um and worked uh, on the Capitol Hill, which by the way, especially back in that day, <laughs> I was telling what and I were talking about this the other day. She works on Capitol Hill now. I was like, oh my gosh, I was so broke. I had a bunch of roommates. <laughs> McDonald's every noodles. night. Yeah, ramen noodles to like make it. But, you know, I, I knew because I too, Michelle, came to the Lord and came to Christ as a, a young, as a kid, really, as a young kid. And so I knew that I was a daughter of the King. You know, I, I didn't need to have great connections in Washington because I had a father in heaven who had a plan wow. for my life. And we have Young Women for America chapters now. The CWA has grown, and that's really a very thriving part of our, our organization, our collegiate chapters. We have 125 around the country, and it's probably going to double this year. It's just amazing what God's doing. Yay, and yes, it's, it's so sweet, and they are so inspiring, actually, to me. I mean, they're so brave, and in this day that we live in, they are Esther's that speak truth. But um you know, I say what you just said, Michelle, to them all the time when I speak to them. I'm like, there is nothing more exciting 
than a life surrendered to the Lord because you cannot manufacture for yourself. I could have never manufactured for myself, you know, the 10-year plan. I mean, yeah, I was sitting by you when the president, when President Trump opened up the embassy that when he moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, like yeah. I'm a preacher's kid from nowhere. You know, how did this happen that I'm with the few Americans that are here that are at this historic moment that we've all sitting next for. to Ralph Reed. Yeah, Ralph Reed on the other side, right. (laughs) We're all just so happy, and the the Israeli people are celebrating in the streets. And I got to see it. I got to be there, and there's many other moments in history. Michelle, I know you have those, as you do, y'all, where you're pinching yourself. That's right. That's right. I I was actually there, too, that day. It, It was a thrilling day to be able to be there, and I felt the same way because for all of us, our hopes and dreams were we're coming together and we saw something that people thought was impossible. But again, it was, it's out of yieldedness and Israel is, is nothing more but one miracle after another. You see the miraculous hand of God every time you turn around and it comes down to a human being surrendering and having faith in the God who made us. It's a simple story and yet the most profound story any of us could ever hope to have. And we all share it together. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. It's it, everything that you're saying just resonates with me. And I know resonates with all of the listeners, each for our own experience, but it's such a relevant message for anyone living in this world. And something that I hear in what both of you just said is the ability and the need to listen to what God has called on our life. And something that's really scary for me as a mother of four is sometimes how hard it is to hear God's voice within the clutter. There is so much clutter these days with the phones and the videos and the distractions. And there are a million and one reasons to be not listening to God's voice. So as all three of us have daughters, um, how do you see yourselves and others as being able to be real role models for our daughters that they're able to put put away that clutter and be able to hear God's voice on their life? Penny, you want to start with this one? Well, that that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, just being honest is I struggle like everyone else does and and I, you know, work to spend time, hopefully not every single morning, because sometimes it doesn't happen, but I try to spend time with the Lord in which I am there with my Bible and I'm reading through the Bible in a year and, um, and having some time in prayer, but it, you do get distracted, right? And I think uh, as a mother, I have an adult daughter now, and it's such a great place to be. My son is, is now also over 21 is headed, Michelle, you'll appreciate that he's headed to, um, he's army ROTC. He's about 18 months from being a second Lieutenant. He's a, wow. in the Corps of cadets at Virginia tech. And, um, and with both of my children, it, you go from being, you know, sort of the authority to kind of being the coach. And what I really appreciate at this new season of having a married 25 year old daughter is we can be friends and really transparency, just, you know, yeah. honesty about who I am and my humanness and yeah. even going back in time and saying, Hey, 
I, I know I didn't get that exactly right. I'm sorry. You know, let's, you know, and, and, or even in real time now, right. And, and just being honest and transparent and, and trying to always, always, always point them to the Lord. You know, yeah. when you see them struggle saying, you know, listen, let's pray about that. Let's, let's bring that before the Lord. What's God trying to tell you at this minute? My, my son struggled with something ever a class he was taking. And, and I was saying, you know, what is God calling you to do? Like, is this indicative of like a different direction or whatever, but can you ask yourself that? And so yes, imperfectly, but trying to just always point them towards Jesus. I love it. It's kind of like, um, like the, the real spiritual answer of Google (laughs) <laughs> you know how like this generation is like, you have any question, just go on Google, you know, just check Google. Someday, my son, my six-year-old always says, you know, I'll be like, he'll say, you know, is what did grandma eat for breakfast this morning? Like, I don't know. So ask Google. <laughs> I don't think Google knows, but it's taking that idea that there has to be an answer and putting it on God. That's where we get the answer from. We're already so uh, used to this concept that if we look, we'll be able to find the answer. And so it's very hard for these questions that don't have an answer. I'm not doing good in this class. Is it a sign from God to try harder? Is it a sign from God uh, to that it's not for me and I should try something else? Well, if you know how to hear God's voice, you'll know what the answer is. But first you have to ask him. First you have to make space for that. So I love that. I love that. Dean Bachman, how do you think that we can make that space and be role models for our daughters and the next generation of, of faithful women? Well, I know this sounds elementary, but it really is our own life, how we live our life every single day before God. Yes. And my husband and I were both very aware of that when our children were small. We we gave them to the Lord the moment they were born, before they were born, and um, we We wanted to raise them as biblically as we could. We're very imperfect people, very imperfect family, but we really did uh, want them to grow up into a godly home. And I can tell you now from this perspective, our oldest son is 40 years old and our youngest daughter is 27. We're expecting our seventh grandchild. And all I can tell you now at this point is that looking back at that point, I am so grateful for the decisions that we made. I really am. I'm grateful that we had spent a lot of time trying to study God's word to know how we should parent. As imperfect as we were, we tried our best with that. And the blessing now is that our children, our youngest daughter is expecting her first baby, the 27-year-old. And to hear from her mouth how she wants to parent what her hopes and dreams are. I see in that of myself when we were young, what we hope for. And I look at our children now and our children know the Lord. They walk with the Lord. They're trying to replicate that now with their families. Again, they're very imperfect people too, but they are trying, they are giving their lives to the Lord the best way that they can in a culture that can be very different for a family that wants to live according to God's plan and God's ways. But yet I see the resiliency in their lives, the strength in their lives, because they know who they belong to and they know why they're here on this earth. So I came out of a home that was a very, very um, difficult home, a home that I wouldn't wish on anyone. And yet I saw 
that the Lord could use me, a broken person, and he could bring his spirit in to bring redemption into my life. And one thing that my husband and I did not want to do is pass along a lot of the dysfunctions that we had from our families of origin. So, you know, we're not great, but we just, we asked the Lord to stop it with us, with our generation, so that that we wouldn't transfer that to our children. And so again, nothing is perfect. No one is. Our family isn't, and, and, and the people listening, their family isn't either. But for every family who's listening, it doesn't matter what the addictions in the families are or what the violence or whatever has happened in their family that they don't even want to talk about. God is there at every step to redeem, to take a situation that's less than perfect and redeem it. And he does it with his love. The Bible says his banner over us is love. I've been declaring that over my children because they're not perfect, just like I'm not. But I've been declaring his banner over them as love. And that is the greatest thing of all. So it's just imperfectly, but yet that's what faith is, trusting, trusting in a perfect God because I'm not, and trusting him for my life, but also the life of my children. And he is faithful. That is one thing I can testify. I'll be 66 years old next week. He is faithful. Amen. Amen. Wow. Powerful words. And you know what stands out to me as I listen to you both? that I think what faith puts in our hearts is a humbleness. You know, I'm in the world very often with politicians and business people and all different types of uh, personalities. And something that I see in common in the mainstream world is that everyone has to pretend like they're perfect. Everyone has to pretend like they have all the answers, they know everything, that they are the best at what they do. And you look at how they describe themselves and they list off all the awards and accomplishments. And I sit here with two of the most accomplished women that I personally know that I've ever met. And what I hear both of you saying is, my perfection comes in my imperfection, that I know that God still loves me. What I hear uh, Dean Bachman saying is, I come from a dysfunctional background. I'm very imperfect, but it's within that that I could remember that God loves me. And what I hear Penny saying is, the way to inspire others is by being real, is by admitting that we don't have the answers, admitting that sometimes we have a hard time. When we opened this show, it stood out to me, Penny, was you said, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> and when we said, how are you doing? I'm doing the best I can. And it's so real. And I think it's that modesty and humbleness that makes space to let God in and to show others that None of us are perfect, but we also have a side that is perfect because we're created in the image of God. God breathed his life, his breath of life into us, which gives us life every second. And so there is that point that's perfect, but it's only if we connect to God. If we just connect to us and our own accomplishments, we're lacking, we're broken, we're still dysfunctional. But if we connect mm-hmm. to God, we can be perfect in that image. So I loved that. That was beautiful. Thank you both so much for for sharing. Amen. Yale, if I could just add also Psalms, Psalms 105. I've been, I think the most efficient way to pray is just pray according to scripture. And I've been praying Psalms 105 so much. And it's, it's the ver the ver what you just said is that verse because Psalms 105, one of the verses says that God 
uh, God breathes his breath, which gives life, and it resurfaces the face of the earth. And I've been praying that over people's lives, the earth, but also just over lives. I have seen miracles from praying that verse because God, God is the one who gives breath and he gives life. And from his life, that's where the resurfacing comes from. And so if we recognize he is the one, the redeemer, he is the one who is the originator of redemption. If we pray according to his will, again, God is no respecter of persons. He is not partial. It doesn't matter how broken we are, how distraught we are. He picks us up at the absolute point of our need. And that's when he breathes his breath on us. Not that we're good enough. He breathes his breath and gives life and redeems us at that moment. I love that, Michelle. You know, you're again, the verse, I, when I am weak, he is strong, Right. And within his strength, I'm made perfect. And it is uh, leaning into God's power and not getting caught up in even our families or our ideas of ourselves. And there are those, you know, and again, we're just being real here. There's those, those negative voices that we hear because those are the easy, those are the ones Satan wants us to hear, right? You're not enough. You're not smart, you're not this, you're not that, you're not whatever, whatever that is, turn that off. Jesus said, I love you. God loves you. He is your father. You are a daughter of the king. Lean into that and into his power and walk in that authority. And that's enough. And you can, and I love what you said about overcoming addictions and, you know, family tragedy and all those things, those sins that Come down to the 10th generation. You can break that generational sin, that brokenness by leaning into God's power. That's what my father did. He was a pastor. His father had committed suicide. There was rampant alcoholism in his family. He was well on his way to being an alcoholic when he came to the Lord. And so he was able to break that for the next generation and within the next generation, God was able to, you know, use me in the way that I've been able to, to serve. And it is service by being a voice to other conservative and Christian women who who so deeply care about Israel and care about the issues of the day. And we're just grateful to get to serve in whatever way. Amen. Amazing. Amen. Amazing. So we, we've spoken about some really real, (laughs) real life scenarios here. What do you think is the greatest challenges in the workplace, at home, and overall within our culture for women today? Dean Bachman, you want to get started on that one? You know, it's a good question. I'm a dean here at the university, and the president of the university came into my office today, and we had a great discussion, really I think one of the biggest problems that all of your listeners are dealing with right now, women, men, is uh, the idea of delusion and deception in our culture. It's extremely strong. We're being told that we need to repeat back and say, and we need to repeat back lies that we know in our mind aren't true. There's different things in our culture today that are false, that aren't true. And yet there's an expectation for children and for adults to repeat back things that aren't true. 
And one thing that I speak to the students that we have here at Regent, um, I tell them it's, it's important that we keep our heads about us because there's literally nothing more important than truth. If we walk in truth, I will tell you there's no greater freedom than to walk in truth. And so people need to know that they don't have to conform with a crowd. They need to conform to God's word and they need to conform to freedom. And it's for freedom that, that we were set free. So I just want to encourage people. There's a lot of lies that you read in the news or see in the news or that's in our culture, generally speaking. But when you know that those are lies, do not conform to those lies of the world. Instead, embrace truth and walk in truth because that will keep us happier and it will keep us more focused on where we want to go. It's a very unusual time we live in, a great time of deception and delusion. And I just encourage people, walk in truth and that'll be your greatest happiness. Beautiful. That is so Beautiful. true. And I agree with all of that. I would add to it that as I um, you know, am able to work alongside and get to know this next generation, you know, Gen Zers that are coming up, and I think this is also true for millennials, is women have been sold this like false narrative that the very things that enslave you are the things that set us free. And just disrespect of themselves, allowing themselves to be used and passed around for sexual purposes without any intention of, of marriage or uh, of respect, of actual commitment. And, you know, I, sadly, I think sometimes our, you know, women do it to themselves. Like they allow themselves to be used and abused and hypersexualized when that is not God's intention for us. God is, I, I said to some young women, and, and this book is out of date now, but there was this book called 50 Shades of Grey, which is a horrible book. No one should read it. But it in the book, um, my I haven't read it, but my understanding is like there is this sort of narrative that this young woman is abused for the sexual uh uh, attraction for this man and she allows herself I mean to be beaten and hurt and all that and it's somehow supposed to be freedom and I said to young women you deserve don't settle for anything less than a man who will love you who will be your best friend who will be your partner in faith who will be your partner in life who will support your dreams who marry you and be the father of your children forget 50 shades of gray you deserve 50 years with a man who is committed to you and don't accept anything less than that because that's what God has for you. Don't accept pig slop when God has filet mignon for you. <laughs> Beautiful. So many important issues being addressed here that that the next generation and I think each one of us need to be reminded of every single day because as you've pointed out, all of these negative messages and expectations are so strong in society and it leaves God out of the question, out of the picture that we have to remind ourselves in every scenario, in every situation, within every interview, before I do any interview and I do lots of interviews, I always say Hebrew prayer. Hashem 
Lord, open up my lips so that I can declare your praises. That in everything we do, we have to remember that we're on a mission. We're sent by God to make his name great. And it looks different in every scenario, but we have to at least remember front of mind that we are God's messengers. We're God's we're God's people and everything we do represent that. And when you remember that, you remember that you're empowered. You remember that you're strong. You remember that you're capable. You remember that you're deserving of goodness, deserving of blessings, deserving of kindness. And it, it seems like so many people these days of all ages are suffering from this delusion that what we spoke about earlier, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy enough. And I think that really leads to so many breakdowns of society. Um, so it's it's beautiful to see that kind of faith being accepted again, um, as far as that's, that's my mantra, that's my flag. I want to ask two of you, I'm sitting here humbled and, and, uh, as we say in Hebrew, katonti, I just, I can't, I can't believe that I'm sitting here with the two of you, um, two of my role models, who are your role models and why? Penny, you want to start with that? Well, I mean, I grew up with, you know, the beautiful biblical stories of Deborah and Esther. And um, I I almost named my daughter Esther because I just, I'm, I'm an Esther fan, you know, and just her bravery. So, so certainly those, but, you know, even Michelle in Congress was so brave and courageous when she would be down on the floor and she would tell the truth no matter who was mad at her for saying it. And she would do it in such a clear and winsome way. And our founder of CWA, Beverly LaHaye, and, you know, other political leaders like Phyllis Schlafly, and I know all those had influences on you as well, Michelle. And, you know, and just... um and also these women of faith in my church growing up, I had a godmother who was a, a business owner. You know, she really, when I think of the Proverbs 31 woman, I really think of her because she was so astute, such a woman of faith, constantly giving, worked so hard and just, and nobody will ever know her name. Her name was Walsley Preston. She's with the Lord now, but she made an enormous impact on my life and invested in me in ways that seem, you know, may seem trivial, but had lifelong impact because she saw I needed a mentor in different ways. And so really just these humble women of faith that I grew up around in Eastern Kentucky and Eastern Tennessee were just giants to me and still are. I love that. I love that. There's a rabbi, Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach, who said, the only thing every child needs is one person who believes in them. That's so right. I, that's, right. I that's, right. that's beautiful. Dean Bachman, right. who are, do you have a role model that you can share with us? Sure. Um, Penny mentioned some of them, some of the political heroes and uh, heroines, and they would be mine as well. But I, when I was very, very little, we were lucky enough to live in the same town as both of our grandparents, both sets of grandparents. And so every weekend, that was our entertainment. We'd drive over and visit the grandparents and visit aunts and uncles and cousins and that sort of thing. It was a great way to grow up. And I remember how influential my grandparents were. They were probably more influential than my parents were in my life. And both of my grandmothers 
I found them absolutely remarkable. They were uh, not educated. Both of them worked in factories. They weren't wealthy people. They both worked in factories, both grandmothers. And But I remember that they were very dignified and they were ladies. And I, my mother's mother was pure love, just pure love. I felt the most radiant surrounding of love coming from her toward me. I knew she adored me. Like you said with the rabbi, she was the champion in my corner. She absolutely loved me, and I was so grateful. My other grandmother, I absolutely adored her. She was a very interesting person. Again, she worked in a factory, never went beyond the eighth grade, but every day she read the Wall Street Journal from cover to cover. Every week she read every word of Time magazine. She could hold a conversation with any individual on any topic. She also taught Bible studies in our church. And so she was, I looked at her. She was really an intellectual giant. She had no opportunities really to, in her own life to advance more. But what she did is she offered me the example of her well-lived life, just like my other grandma offered me the example of her well-lived life. And I stood back in awe of both of them my entire life. They were always dignified, always dressed as well as their money would allow them to dress. They were not prideful, but they lived lives that I wanted to emulate. They were incredible women, Anna and Laura, and I love them both. And so with my daughters, one of my daughter's middle names is Anna. The other daughter's middle name is Laura because of the profound impact of these well-lived lives of these very modest, but very dignified, I call them giants, my grandmothers. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that leads perfectly into the fact that we pay tribute to our mothers this month. And while everybody, <laughs> I think, has uh, has things that they could talk about for hours about their mother, both good and bad. I've been blessed with one of those mothers <laughs> that I only have good things to say, but I know I'm, I'm not the norm. Um, what was the most important lesson that you learned from your mother? Penny? <laughs> I, so my mother wasn't one to dole out advice. She was a pastor's wife. She was very humble, not a ton of, and she's still living, but she's in an assisted living and, and sadly just struggling. But, um, but one day you all will appreciate this. I was in middle school and I came home and, and I was like, mom, someone said, blah, 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 you know, whatever the thing is, you know, when you're in middle school, everything's so dramatic. And I came home and I was like, someone said something, something about me. And she looked at me and she's like, I don't know, at some level, start to worry when they stop talking. <laughs> and I was like, what? And honestly, I, I say that now, like, you know, in our organization, when, you know, someone's mad at us for, you know, whatever, we're taking, you know, support for women's sports and, you know, whatever. We're saying the hard thing and the liberal media is mad at us. And I was like, eh, as my mother would say, start to worry when they stop talking. You're irrelevant. If that so, <laughs> again, didn't pass out a lot of advice, but boy, that was a good one. And it served me well. If, yeah, if 30 years, 40 years later, you're still quoting it, it means that it's gotten you through some very hard times. I love that. Dean Bachman. 
Well, you know, I think my mom, it was really example in that when I was little, my very first memory was that in the afternoon before nap time, she would pull my brothers and me into her lap, and she had a huge stack of books. We could bring as many books as we wanted, and she would read us stories before we went down for nap time. And she fostered a love and a commitment to reading. And I'm so grateful. That was a big part of my life was reading because of my mom. And uh, later when I was in seventh grade, my parents had gone through a very difficult divorce and our family lost everything. We, be, we, went, to, we went from middle class to below poverty, literally overnight. And I remember my mother said to me, um, be sure you do well in school because that's something you can never have taken away from you. And I had seen us lose our home, lose our furniture, lose everything. And so when she said those words to me, even though I was in seventh grade and snotty, um, I listened to her. And after that point, everything was about doing well in school because I knew what it was like to see everything gone. And I did not want that life. I didn't want to live like that. And so I'm extremely grateful for my mom. You know, she made her own mistakes, but um, I'm very grateful for her for the fact that she instilled a love of reading. And also she led me down the path of success, which was, you got a bad situation now. Yep, that's the way it is. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Here's your pathway forward. And she pointed me in that direction. I'm extremely grateful for that. That's beautiful. It sounds like uh, in both of those uh, situations, your mother's empowered you instead of made you the victim. That she said, okay, I'm giving legitimacy to the place that this hurts and is hard, but don't don't identify with it. Don't look at it as only bad. You have the ability to be whatever you want and change whatever you want, which is a beautiful message I think is especially relevant today. My last question for today, and I, I know I could stay on for another few hours just picking your brains. I'm learning so much. I'm here taking notes. I'm going to listen to this so many times. And I know that there are things that you've said here that I'm going to be quoting for years to come. But for now, um, what advice would you give to your younger self, Dean Bachman? Oh, that's excellent. I think uh, I just gave a talk on that here at the university to kids uh, about to leave school. Uh, One thing I wanted to make very clear to them that is so important in life is to realize that in life and in your career, you'll probably be backstabbed. You'll probably be betrayed. Obstacles come. It's just a norm. It's going to happen. But the one thing you need to do is to learn forgiveness. You need to deal with the situation. You need to handle it, not gloss over it. But ultimately, you need to forgive. And in our culture today, it's hard to believe, but forgiveness isn't a thing right now in our culture. There's something called, and this may be political, I don't mean to be political, but there's macroaggressions, microaggressions. And to me, what that says is people are holding on to offenses And so you need to deal with them. I recognize you need to deal with them. But at a certain point, rather than a closed fist, you need to have an open hand and let those offenses go because offenses will tie you up in knots and hold you back. And so I encourage young people, forgive, forgive and move forward. You will be happier in life if you learn to forgive. Beautiful, beautiful. What's that saying? Um... If you go out to seek justice, first dig two graves. 
kind of when when you go out looking to make things right, to sow your anger, to try to make the person pay for what they did for you, what you're doing is you're hurting yourself just as much Absolutely. as you're hurting them. That forgiveness Without is a way a not only for the other person, even more so for you, that you could move on. So that's beautiful. Absolutely. Penny, what advice would you give to your younger self? That's that's a beautiful word, Michelle, and and counterculture today, right? Because we're supposed to hold on to every microaggression or macroaggression, and um, and we do need to forgive, and that's something I we all have to preach to ourselves. But I I would say that to my younger self, that um, not to worry so much, you know, and, and try and, and not to try so hard to control everything about my life and out of fear, really, and my children and everything has to be perfect and I have to be perfect. And, you know, especially when I first got married and I was younger and I was trying to be, you know, the perfect mom and the perfect wife and the perfect Christian and the perfect, you know, whatever. And you can't be that. You can't be all those things that you can just do your best. And I would say, you know, to my younger self, don't worry so much, let go and enjoy the journey more because it's easy to miss out on those day-to-day blessings when you're looking ahead and you're trying to control and you're looking ahead to the next thing. Um, And I just got off the phone. You all appreciate this, Michelle, with our founder who turns 93 next month. (laughs) And she she says hello to everybody. And, um, And she said to me, are you, are you working too hard? And I said, probably. And she said, well, she said, I just want to tell you to, to relax more and enjoy your husband because she's a widow now. And she's like, you know, those days are precious that you have with each other and enjoy those and, and, you know, enjoy your time. I'm like, I wrote it down. It was just like, right. You're 93 and that's gospel truth. I got to remember that. And, and so anyway, yeah, those are, lessons hard fought and hard learned that like what you shared, Michelle, but those that's truth, but it's, we're constantly learning, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kiss Beverly from me too. She's a wonderful woman. And for me as well, I never met her, but my father, Rabbi Chiel Eckstein of Blessed Memory, he used to speak so highly of her. So um, (laughs) she's a living legacy. Yes, she she is. Yeah. Finally, as we close our time together, I want to offer each of you the opportunity to pray for all women, for our daughters, our sisters, our mother, ourselves, and of course, the world. Penny, would you like to lead us? Yes. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, first, for just friendship, um, you know, for, for Philos, for, for the kind of love that we're able to have for each other and that you give us these relationships and with other women. Lord, help us to um, have courage in these tough times and within tough, tough situations. Lord, help us to be humble and forgiving. And God, I pray for us to look around ourselves, within our families and within our neighborhoods, within our friendships and ways we can serve each other. Lord, I pray for the women of today, women leaders, that you will raise up those Deborahs and those Esthers, and you will give courage and give um, anointing to women leaders of this country. I pray for our Concerned Women for America, women and leaders around this country. God, I pray for a special blessing for them. And I pray for um, heavenly armies to surround them and surround Yale and surround Dean Bachman 
as, uh, you know, Satan's attack happens, because when you are relevant, those will come. And I pray that you will help us to withstand them, recognizing that the prize is ahead of us, our heavenly home and our Father in heaven. Help us, Lord, above all, to please and serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Penny, beautiful. Thank you so much. Dean Bachman, I know you have literally changed world politics in a revealed way through your prayers. So will you end the podcast with a prayer, please? Thank you, Yale. Father, we come before you now humbled and yet rejoicing in this time that we've had together to share our hearts and, Lord, to speak to women all across the United States and the world, Father, who are listening in to what Yale has to say. So, Father, we lift up the women who are listening today and the men. Father, they are made in your image and they're made in your likeness. Father, it isn't just that we are are so blessed and we're just picked out to live these lives that we never could have imagined that we would live. Lord, you, you do the same for all. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are listening right now who want a life of significance and a life of meaning. Lord, I pray that you would come to them in their current state and be with them and speak to them and let them know what you say clearly in your word, that your banner over them is love. Love. It's not that you wish bad for them. Your banner over them is love. So I pray for women all across the world today who don't feel loved. I pray that today, in this moment, supernaturally, you would allow them to feel and sense your perfect love. And in that feeling, your love, that they would come to know and understand that you have a perfect plan for them and that you can redeem them out of whatever situation they're in. So I pray truth over those who are listening. I pray wholeness. I pray uh, your future and your hope. That's what you wish for all people. You say that I have plans not to harm you, but to prosper you in all your ways with a future and a hope. So Lord, we pray your scripture, that scripture from Jeremiah over everyone who is listening right now for your plans for, to prosper and not harm those who are listening to this broadcast. So I thank you for that, and I pray over the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. I pray for the entire team and staff. I pray for Yale in, in particular and her leadership of this organization. I pray that you would supply over and abundantly for this organization so they can meet the needs of the elderly Jews across the world who are suffering and hungry. Meet their needs now in your precious name. Amen. 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 My sisters, my heroes, my mentors, my role models, you have inspired me. Thank you so much for joining. May God bless Thank you. Thank you for your leadership, Gail. We love you. Love you, Michelle. God bless you all. Happy Mother's Amen. Day. Happy Amen Mother's Day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Conversations with Yael podcast. If you like what you have heard, please check out my weekly podcast, Nourish Your Biblical Roots, that explores the Jewish roots of the Christian faith with inspirational and ancient teachings. You can also visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. Follow me on Instagram at Yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at Yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next month.